Good morning. I'm Scott Bosher, and I'm the choir director here at Mayflower. And Steve asked me to share just a brief word before I sang this morning for his ordination. Um, Many of you know, many of you might not know, that Steve and I served for eight years side-by-side planning worship uh, earlier in our ministries. You really get to know someone well when you plan worship. Behind the scenes every week, before you come to our Sunday service, the ministry team gathers. We talk about where God is leading our hearts. We talk about the scripture we want to share. How can the music support that? And in that sharing, you really get to know people's heart. Um, So I'd like to say that, surprised by joy, one of my very favorite theologians, C.S. Lewis, um, said surprised by joy was something that happened in his life. For me, I was surprised by joy twice. First, three years ago, to be called back into music ministry here with this wonderful group of musicians serving this amazing congregation. It has been a joy. And then this fall, I was surprised by joy once again, finding out that my long-term friend, Steve Armfield, who for eight years we sat side-by-side planning worship, was coming to join our ministry team here at Mayflower. It has been truly a joy. If I was asked to describe Steve briefly, last night Steve and I were involved in a service down at the Cathedral of St. Andrew. And Steve had the line that he spoke to the congregation that God comes into our heart by persuasion, not by compulsion. There is no compulsion to be found in the heart of God. Well, there is no compulsion to be found in the heart of the Reverend Steve Armfield. He's filled with grace. He's filled with empathy. And he has just changed my heart in so many ways, everyone that he touches. So I would just like to say to the Reverend Steve Armfield, this wonderful, grace-filled man, we love you dearly.
morning. Thanks so much for that. This is a responsive reading. As many of you were baptized into Christ, we remember. In Steve's baptism, he was clothed with Christ and is now called by God through the voice of the church to enter into ministry as an ordained pastor. Steve, for me, this is a recognition of your ordination. And my Catholic friends tell me when they attend church and I'm leading worship, they cross themselves more than they do at Mass. So please forgive me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you join me in the service of installation? There are a variety of gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. God works through each person in a u- unique way, but it is God's purpose that is accomplished. Together, we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Within the community of the church, some are called to particular service as committee members church council members, and as pastors. Recognizing the importance of each office, the church ordains women and men in order to assure fulfillment of the primary responsibilities of preaching the word and administering the sacraments, ordering the governance of the church, and providing the ministries of care and compassion to the world. Representing the one holy and apostolic church, Mayflower Congregational Church now ordains Stephen W. Armfield to ministry as pastor. Steve, would you come up here, please? Steve, do you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, and acknowledge him, Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer? I do. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? I do. Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ 
under the authority of the scripture? I will. Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them in accordance with God's word and spirit? I will. Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? I will. Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and mission of the church? I do. Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? I will. Will you be faithful by proclaiming the good news of the word and sacrament, teaching faith and caring for the people? In your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? With God's help, I will. Congregation, do we, the members of Mayflower, accept Steve Armfield as pastor, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation, to guide us in a way of Jesus Christ? The scripture reading is from John 21, verses 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The word of the Lord. I am not Riley Jensen, but he is en route. Uh, I'm going to insert something in your program here that was not planned before the programs were printed. But I did get a very special uh, letter emailed to me yesterday with the request that it be read during this service. Dear Mom and Dad, I am so sad that I cannot be with you today, but know that your entire family is with you here in spirit. We love you and are so proud to have you as parents. This is to Steve and Janet, if you didn't get that clue yet. <laughs> Dad, as you know, nearly two and a half years ago, I sat beside you in a windowless room in Omaha, Nebraska, and witnessed the Board of Ordered Ministry, many of whom were colleagues, friends, and mentees, move to revoke your ordination, choosing to act with unwarranted certainty and not unconditional love. Meanwhile, Mom, or lovingly called Mormore by our kids, stayed behind to watch the kids waiting for updates. 
We had done everything we could to ask them to pause, hold, simply wait. But minds were made up. I had given a stirring summary of my sermon the week before, retelling the story of Hagar and Ishmael being cast out into the wilderness by a jealous Sarah. But my words, Dad's words, all the words, much like political Facebook posts, fell on deaf ears. And so I thought perhaps a few of my words that day would be better received by all of you instead of lost inside a stuffy boardroom. One of the most heartbreaking parts of the story of Hagar is that after years and years of faithful service to her mistress, to the point of having a child for her, she is cast out. Hagar is exiled because the very presence of her child is unbearable to Sarah, even though it was Sarah herself that orchestrated the whole plan. Sarah severs all connection because Hagar and Ishmael did not fit in her perfect present. And while Sarah is able to maintain her community and household, Hagar and Ishmael are cast out alone, completely disconnected to the only community they've ever known. They wind up in the wilderness near death. At this point, Hagar has finished the story in her mind. She and her son would die alone, cut off from the world they've known. But God shows up and says, do not be afraid. There is a well and well-being and the promise at the end of the passage that God would be with Ishmael, not just then, but always. God shows up, like so many of the flannel-boarded Bible stories we've learned over the years. God shows up. But what I had never realized before is how God shows up. This passage helped me realize that all of God's movements across time and place, one of God's favorites is the surprise. It shows up time and again. In the ending we never saw coming. In the person we never imagined would be welcome. In the food they couldn't possibly eat. In the laws Jesus blatantly broke. God loves a good surprise. Over and over again to the point where the surprise shouldn't be a surprise. Think of how many stories end with a biblical U-turn. Moses, an Israelite baby, ending up in Pharaoh's household. Young David, besting giant Goliath. The Virgin Mary conceiving a baby. The grand finale of them all, Jesus surprising even death. The stories go on and on and on. I had forgotten about surprise, Lindsay writes. I guess that's why it's a surprise we never see it coming, even though it's a script we've witnessed God using time and time again. My prayer for today is that it would end with surprise, that you would choose connection over cutting off. She pleads with this board that you would agree that casting members out of the community is not the answer, that you will uphold to the multiple verses in Scripture where unity is the value. Please, she pleads, surprise us with your grace and love. Now we know how the story ended. There was no surprise ending that day in Omaha. There was no surprise ending until now. I forgot that sometimes God's surprises take their time and perhaps aren't the anticipated outcome I had planned. They are, after all, surprises. When I hear stories of the people of this congregation and the occasion today, it is a grace-filled surprise. But more than that, it is a redemption of that awful event in Omaha. That's the thing about God's surprises. They always seem to bring redemption. Mom and Dad, this is a church occasion and community that has surprised with their kindness and capaciousness. And we are so grateful. 
but they've also demonstrated God's redemption of any situation, proving again that it really should be no surprise that God has shown up in our lives once again and has been faithful. And so on this day and every day, may God continue to surprise us with loving redemption and grace. We love you both so much, Lindsay, Kyle, Micah, Madeline, and Maggie. Riley Jensen, welcome. It is your turn. (laughs) Come on up. Sorry for the delay. We had a cast of thousands at our church this morning, for Sunday of Advent. You did the same thing. There he is. Well, my friend, what a journey it's been. But I never would have dreamed in my wildest imagination that I would be preaching your ordination sermon. Now, I know the question on, on many of your minds might be, how did... How did two nice guys from the Pacific Northwest wind up together in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Now, for those of you who may not know, my friendship with Steve goes back now over 60 years to being college classmates and and seminary roommates. And I was the messy one. Steve kept me kept me going. And so this is more been a privilege for me. It is a great and supreme honor. And it's clear that Steve has uh, earned the love and the respect of, of this congregation for you to, to want to bless him in, in this way. Now, over the years, I've had the privilege of preaching many ordination sermons, but never one quite like this. Usually an ordination sermon is, is a compilation, a compilation of the best wisdom that can be offered to one who is just entering the ministry. And the ordinand is usually a little wet behind the ears and is eager for any advice that can be offered. But the truth is that here, any wisdom that I might try to offer, Steve would be thrown right back at me because this man has been a model. He has been. He's been a model for what a, a preacher, a teacher, a pastor and a leader should look like. And he has earned the respect of his peers and the love of his congregations. So what are we doing here anyway? Well, first of all, this is about finding a home. Being ordained means that there are those who who recognize our gifts and who affirm our call. And so from this day forward, Steve will be able to say that he has a home, that he holds his ordination at Mayflower Congregational Church. It's like a marriage. You are are tying a knot, and you will be bound together into the future. Now, secondly, I think of this as kind of like a, a renewal of vows ceremony. Now, Steve is no novice. He married the Church of Jesus Christ many years ago. And he's loved that church. And for the the most part, it has loved him back with a few bumps and bruises along the way. But like all marriages, it's not a bad thing to to renew those vows of 
of commitment while saying, I love you one more time. And maybe that's why I love the story of Jesus and Peter in John 21. I have come to think of that as a, a renewal of vows story. The relationship between Peter and, and Jesus had been a rocky one, especially toward the end. And now there is this unlikely reunion. And in, in my paraphrase, Jesus says to Peter, what do you think? What do you think? Do we still have enough going for us to renew our commitment to each other. You heard the language of Scripture where Jesus said, Do you love me three times? Obviously, paralleling Peter's three denials of betrayal. And as we know, love is more than a feeling, its authenticity is always measured in committed action. Now, in this case, I know that I'm stretching it a bit, and Steve, our former professors, probably would not have approved of my interpretation. Here, But I I like to think of of this passage as an ordination question. Steve, do you love me? And Steve says, Lord, you know that I do. Then keep on doing what you have been doing so well for 50 years. Feed my sheep and keep loving my people. Well, That's who Steve is and who he has always been. A lover of God and a lover of God's people. And I think the value of this renewal ceremony is that he is welcoming this great church to be part of that call and that commitment. I recently came across a Steve Jobs quotation where he cites the difference between a manager and a leader. According to Jobs, a manager is one who persuades people to do what they don't want to do, while a leader is one who helps people do what they don't think they can do. Steve, you're a leader. May God continue to bless you in this ministry and all that awaits you in the beyond. Bless you, my friend. Please pray with me. Holy God, we acknowledge that our gifts come from you and that you, the most creative entity of all, has given some of us unique gifts in ministry. The word ordination means that Steve is invested with the authority to act, and for this we are enormously grateful. Lord, empower him in this season of ministry. May the exercising of his gifts bring you tremendous glory, honor, and praise. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just a note about the hymn we are about to stand and sing. When Steve was suspended by the denomination he had served for decades, he was told not to, quote, preach, teach, mentor, advise, or otherwise provide pastoral counsel or care, end quote. He was essentially told not to tell the story, the amazing transforming gospel story that brings life 
to all. By granting Steve ordination, we are restoring and affirming Steve's ability and necessity to tell the story. We are blessed by this. The world is blessed by this. God is blessed by this. So thank you, Steve. Now, let's tell the story. Steve, with the unanimous approval of the Mayflower Church Council, it was my great pleasure to declare Stephen W. Armfield officially ordained to the work of Christian ministry. You may be seated. You don't want to stand. But Steve, you have to stand up. We have a gift for you. And I must say, both Steve and I do not come from very formal traditions, like wearing robes and having to remember what color stole to wear. I would always ask Jonathan, what color are we this Sunday? So, in that spirit, Steve, we have a new stole for you. Isn't that lovely? Thank you, Steve. 
How wonderful. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have called some of us to be teachers, some of us to be preachers, some of us to be business people, some of us to be professors, some of us to be moms and dads, and all of us to follow Jesus. We are grateful. We are so grateful for Steve, grateful for his leadership, grateful for his love of you and his willingness to lead. We are grateful for Riley Jensen, who brought Steve and Mayflower together. We are grateful for this church council who ordained three ministers, and for the last two years we have had the privilege and the honor of leading this beloved congregation. The congregation calls us reverend. That gives us no special title. That gives us no special privilege. That means that we are people who revere you, Lord. We are consumed by you. We are led by you. We love you. And together with this church, we express that love. So for many decades, you have empowered Steve to preach the gospel, to love the sick, the poor, the lonely, to care for the least of these. All we're doing is recognizing that Steve's ministry will continue because he reveres you, Lord, and he loves you. So today we celebrate and we'll go laughing, dancing, and singing from this place with joy in our heart. For we have been in your presence and you will never abandon us, not even at the end of the age. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.
I'm going to test your patience and ask you if you would be seated for a moment. Uh, I said to Ruth, uh, what do I do at this point? And she said, you can just say anything you want. <laughs> so, yes, you did. You said it. Um, so I, I prepared a few remarks. I timed it this morning. It was four minutes. So if you can bear with but I but I'm going to add to it already um, I just have to comment on the songs that were sung today Scott's solo that song or version of it was sung at our wedding almost 50 years ago so that is very special um, Hark the Herald is my favorite of all Christmas carols so thank you um, and singing Standing Beside Riley reminded me of trips that we took together, usually with some other people as well. Riley lived in Seattle, Washington. I lived in Portland, Oregon. We traveled up and down the West Coast, first to college in uh, Santa Barbara and then to seminary in, uh, in Pasadena. And as Riley said, roomed together that one year, and it was such an experience that we both dropped out of school after that year for, <laughs> for a year. But on our way through the night, driving that 20 to 24 hours, we would sing. Remember that, Riley? Yeah. To God be the glory and all the Fanny Crosby songs and Hark the Herald and all, all the rest. It was great time. And then... Uh, as Ruth introduced that song, I love to tell the story. Uh, I remember singing that song in the dorm room at seminary. I don't think Riley was there when he would leave. Sometimes I would sing. And I, I always loved to tell the story as I struggled with what does this mean to be called to ministry. But that's an old song. We don't sing it much in church now anymore, but... It's always been special to me. And a few years ago, after I was suspended from ministry and told that I was not to minister in any way, I went to a service, and it was a memorial service, and a congregation was singing as I walked in, I love to tell the story. And I opened my mouth to sing, and, and no words came out. And uh, to be told you couldn't tell the story was, was just startling to me. So I say to this church and to others in these last two years who have allowed me to tell the story, I thank you. I am unworthy, but I thank you so much. I do love to tell the story and that God allows me in my advanced years, to continue to tell that story. I'm so grateful. So to me, today is a personal fulfillment of one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 121, that says, The Lord will watch over your going out and your coming in from this day forth and forevermore. I don't really have words um, to convey my thanks to my God and to you for today. But words like gracious and generous and loving and sustaining friendship and companion and mentor and counselor and encourager and so many others 
embody what I am feeling about you. And all those words wrapped up and made as big as they can possibly be are words that I feel toward. My my dear Janet, who has um, been my companion on the way for these 50 years almost. I believe that we are all called. And with calling comes community. And with it also comes vulnerability. Think of the Advent stories of Mary, Elizabeth, the shepherds, the Magi, called to be part of God's great story, willing to let their lives be totally set aside for a sacred purpose. And we follow them as best we are able. For you today to affirm a calling I received as a struggling 20-something back in the 60s is beyond gratification to me. I am humbled and grateful. In a small measure, I have identified with the Apostle Paul's self-description of his ministry in 2 Corinthians when he writes that he lived and ministered amid honor and dishonor, branded as a deceiver and imposter, yet vindicated. To be so fully received by this congregation in this short time, Ruth and Scott and Julia, Jonathan, Murray, all of the wonderful staff, for Dale and the congregation, for David and the council and their affirmation, And for friends, some of you, you go back many, many years in my life, even 61 years in the case of Riley. Friends old and new, I am humbled. I continue to ask for your prayers that I, by God's grace, in the days I have left, be they few or many, that I might fulfill the vows that I made this day. I want to, uh, to just close with a prayer. It's a prayer from Martin Luther that was given to me by a dear friend named Dick Luco. And I've adapted it a bit. But Luther looks at his call, and he puts into words what I have felt through these 50 years of ministry and what I have often prayed in the quiet of my study before... I would go forth into the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Lord God, you have called me to be a pastor in your church. You see how unfit I am to undertake this sacred office. And were it not for your help, I would have long since ruined it all. Therefore, I cry unto you, I will assuredly apply my mouth and my heart to your service. I desire to teach and preach and care for your people. I pray that I myself would learn and ever more diligently meditate on your word. Use me as your instrument. Only do not forsake me. For if I am left alone, I shall easily bring it all to destruction. Will you stand?
And now may God bless us all in our ministries with the quiet strength, the unlimited love, and the boundless compassion of Jesus. May the Holy Spirit fill us with power to fulfill our calling. And may God grant us faithfulness to serve Him without fear through all of our days. Amen. Thank you. God be with you.